In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to take a very bold step, especially for someone who has two degrees from Baylor University and has worked on a third at the University of Texas at Austin. And with some semblance of college football starting back up after our COVID exile, I must give due laud and praise to one of the schools that, while no longer rivals at anything, is still a rival in my heart, mainly because I know too many of her alumni. So let me see if I can spit these words out. One of the most thrilling things to see at a college football game is the... Uh, is the uh, the fighting Texas Aggie band. There, there, I said it. The Aggie band marches up and down the field, performing military-style marching maneuvers, flanks, counter-marches, obliques, the classic follow-the-leader maneuvers, and all while playing traditional marching music. No music from movie soundtracks here. It has been told to me, and I have not verified this, that when designing the patterns that the band uses on the field, some of the more complex maneuvers, when entered into the computer programs that are used to help design the movements, some of these actually cause the software to seize up or to say that the pattern is impossible to perform. Yet, using techniques taken from British, French, German, and American-style marchings, the Fighting Texas Aggie Band members learn these moves and execute them to near flawlessness. I have also been told that some of these maneuvers are so precise that members are less than six inches away from each other. And if one person fails to execute the plan properly, disaster would ensue on the football field. I can just imagine band members toppling over like dominoes one after the other. One of the reasons the Aggie band works is because there is a sense of unity within their ranks. There's no star. There's no sense of someone needing to steal the limelight. There's no divisions within the ranks. Everyone is united in the common purpose of producing and performing the most exhilarating halftime performance that they can. Just like the words of General George Patton, the band is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, and fights as a team. St. Paul's letter to the Philippians takes the subject of church unity to a new level. Paul founded this church in Philippi, and he has now gone away and is writing this letter from prison, probably suspecting that at some point he will be martyred. 
Our reading today opens with this great appeal to unity within the church. Stressing that the community through Christ is experiencing encouragement, consolation, love, sharing in the spirit, compassion, and sympathy with each other, Paul encourages them to strive to continue to do it, but only more so. That, he confesses, would make him joyful, would make him proud. Now, anytime we live in community, be it with our families or our co-workers or our church members, perhaps even the Aggie Band, our humanity can come through, especially when we are unguarded about it. Ambition, jealousy, the need for attention can all begin to disturb and disrupt that unity. And it isn't about who is necessarily right on an issue, or who bought the carpet, or whether or not someone fulfills their duties on the vestry. This is about having the mind of Christ. Now, we are called to be imitators of Jesus, imitators of Christ. But sometimes, I think we confuse that with being impersonators. An impersonator is someone who mimics someone, rather for a short period of time, or as someone who poses to be someone that they are not, like someone who is impersonating a police officer or a military officer, complete with a uniform. In many ways, they are a fraud. But imitators are people who pattern themselves after someone in a desire to become more like that person. From someone trying to duplicate a pro's golf swing to a younger brother trying to do exactly what his big brother does. We all try to imitate someone. And if we don't, we sometimes hint that we desire to do what someone else can do. I wish I could be as kind as Betsy. I wish I could dance like Steve. I wish I could read as much as Terry. Our desire is to pattern ourselves after others. Paul is reminding the Philippians whom they should pattern. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that is the very mindset that we find in the church. But it's a very different mindset than what we find in the world. Philippi was a Roman colony that had been taken over from the Greeks. Many of the inhabitants were veterans of the Roman army. Given the upheaval in that region over several hundred years, what do you think authority and power look like? It looked like the army. It looked like the emperor. It looked like 
room. It was about asserting yourself, putting yourself on top to perhaps gain a new commission or maybe even a seat in the Senate. But that's not the way of Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Exploited is not quite the word or phrase that is in the Greek, but it, it does fit too. But the verb and phrase in the Greek here is a thing to be grasped, something to be clung on to. Now, when we think back through the people in our holy scriptures, we've encountered some characters who did indeed desire to be equal with God. Can you remember who? But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve grasped at the fruit, grasped at the possibility of being equal with God. And that's part of our plight as humans. We aren't satisfied with who we are, and we would rather not let God be God. And we seek ways to hold on to power, to grasp for wealth, to cling to being more like a God than a human being. But not so with Jesus. He who is divine, he who is God, emptied, gave completely of himself. To what end? To become human. To become completely like us and share in our condition. He humbled. He stooped down and followed the plan for salvation to the point of self-sacrificing love, to die on the cross. Now this is what it means to be godlike, to be completely self-giving, not to exploit or grasp at power, and this is where the unity of the church hangs on a thread sometimes. It is this same love, same devotion, same purpose of mind that Paul is calling the church to. 
It is the call for us to be imitators of Christ, to be that reflection of who he is in this world, and to empty our own selves into that calling. But there's a two-sided coin that comes into play when we begin to talk about self-emptying. First, is that the individual must have a self-acknowledgement of Christ. You and me as individuals need to put our faith into Christ and work out our own self in this imitation. But, there is a second side to that coin. The fellowship and mystery of the church. The church herself, this gathering, this diocese, the church universal, must become self-emptying as well. The church is not some old and tired institution like many make it out. The church is a living, breathing entity, and we are all members of her. Remember Paul's great discernment about the body? Who can say to the eye, I have no need of you? Unfortunately, in modern English, we do not have a good expression for the second person plural, like many of our Romance languages do. The Greek that Paul is writing in does as well. Now, if all biblical scholars in the United States were from this region of the Americas, a translation might include our form of the second person plural. Paul might say something like, y'all need to go work out your own salvation. Y'all, as in all of you, all y'all. It is the church, the corporate and committed body of Christ that must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but engaging and seeking also to be of the same mind as Christ. Paul, while on one hand is appealing to each of us as individuals, Paul also emphatically is pushing for the church, the local church of the Philippians, to discern, pray, work together in unity, and in the same mind as Christ, to decide what work to do, how to move forward together. This is not about individual piety or tasks. Paul is reminding us that Mother Church herself must also discern how to be an imitator of Christ. Let the same mind be in you as was in Christ. Think about this. Christ's mind was always centered on the work to be done. And that mind that conceived of that work was the triune Godhead, the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A trinity of three persons sharing one unity, one Godhead, and one love, which pours out like a fountain overfilling its basin. Think like Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Strive for unity within the church as the Trinity is one in unity. Be the self-emptying person and the self-emptying church in this world that needs all who are Christians as well as our universal church to demonstrate the love of Christ as something real in their lives and to show it to the people who are trudging through their days. Let the same mind be in you as was in Christ Jesus. Amen.